Well, this morning, it's my privilege to introduce to you um, a mentor of mine and friend and um, just kind of spiritual advisor on how to be a better Christian and pastor and person. And um, he's never introduced himself to me as anything other than Phil, but um, the Reverend Dr. Phil Stout is going to share with us this morning, and he would probably be cringing now that I said that out loud, but um, it's still true. So it's my privilege to introduce you this morning, um, Phil Stout. Thanks, Phil. Uh, your pastor has become a very, very dear friend of mine, so I'm glad to be with his family today. And uh, I don't like when people call me doctor, because when people call me doctor, someone always wants me to look at their knee or something, and, uh, and I can't do that. I'm glad to be with you today. I uh, really appreciated that we began this service singing, Build Your Kingdom Here, because that's kind of what I want to talk about today. You know, if you were to look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we always put them in that order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's the order they are in our New Testament, but if you were to look at them chronologically, the first one that was written was Mark. I don't know why it's in the order of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the first one that was physically written was the book of Mark. And so Mark's gospel is the oldest written account we have of Jesus. And if you have one of those Bibles, red letter edition, I don't even know if young people who know what that is. You all know what a red letter edition is, you people my age, you know. It's where all the words of Jesus are in red. If you were to take a red letter edition of the book of Mark, you'd go down, and the first words of Jesus are Mark 1.15. And um, it's interesting to me that, so the first recorded words we have of Jesus, not the first ones he said, but the first words of Jesus that we have historically recorded is when Jesus came, and it says he came proclaiming the good news, saying, the kingdom is here, repent. The kingdom is here, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is here, repent. Now the word repent literally means change your mind. Now in that day, the term for mind meant not just our intellect, but our, our mind, our heart, our will, our passions, who we are. And so Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is here. My tape came off. <laughs> Change. First recorded words we have of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is here. Change. Now, nowhere is this more dramatically illustrated than that one night that a man named Nicodemus came to see Jesus. If you've been around the church, you've heard this story again and again. It's the story that is the seedbed of one of the most important verses in our New Testament. Nicodemus was one of the religious leaders of that day, part of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. He was a theologian. He knew the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, thoroughly. He was a teacher. He was a scholar. And he came to Jesus one night. Now, we always have this image which is accurate of all the religious leaders who are always fighting against Jesus. They're always challenging him in public and always trying to talk him down and never worked. But not all the religious leaders were angry at Jesus. Some of them heard him and said, I'd like to hear more. It's really confusing to me. He's saying stuff that goes against what we're taught. He's saying that this kingdom is here. Yes, the kingdom is to come, but it's here right now. We call it the now, not yet kingdom. We call it the present kingdom and kingdom come. 
We know that when the king came, the kingdom came, and it is with us, and we live in that kingdom right now, and someday we will see it in its fulfillment, as we also sang, when Jesus returns and renews all things. This is very confusing to Nicodemus. And then Jesus would talk about this, this kingdom that's here, and he'd say things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, not the spiritual giants, but those who think they are so deficient spiritually. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. Blessed are the humble, not the mighty. The humble. See, they all thought the mighty were blessed. And the people who had wealth were blessed. Wow, they must be doing something right. God blessed them. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the humble. He said, you want to see the children of God? They're the ones out there making peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God. He said, when they come after you, when they insult you and belittle you, he said, you are so blessed. And so this man who knew the Hebrew Scriptures going, dude, this doesn't make any sense to me. This is all backwards. But he didn't fight Jesus like the other Pharisees. He came and said, help me with this. Now, the conversation is so, so amazing because Jesus kind of cuts to the chase, you know. Um, he didn't even ask for, he didn't even wait for a question to be asked. Nicodemus didn't even come up. He just came and said, he said, Rabbi, the things you say, we know they must have some truth to it because of all the, all the tremendous miracles you've done that, there must be something to that. And before we could ask a question, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And that term also means born from above. Now, again, let's listen to what Jesus is saying about the kingdom. See, what a lot of people have done over the years is they've read this verse to say, um, I tell you the truth, you cannot go to heaven unless you're born again. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about at this point. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, when the king's here, the kingdom's here. The kingdom is right in front of you. Four feet away, unless they were social distancing, then six feet, okay? He's saying to Nicodemus, the kingdom is right here, and unless you are born again, you can't even see it. Now, what I love about this is this, this metaphor that Jesus chose. Again, I worry that in American Christianity so many times the concept of being born again is the concept of saying a prayer. I said a prayer, I'm going to heaven. That's not what this means. Jesus chose a metaphor that is so stark and so radical and so wild. You know, he said born again, Nicodemus said, huh? How can that happen? Now, I want you to think back, I want you to, think back to the day you were born. You remember that? I don't either, but uh, let's, let's pretend we do, okay? Um, they told you about it, right? They told you about the day you were born, and since then you've seen other babies born, you've, you've celebrated it, we know more about the science of it, and all this kind of thing. Think about what Jesus was saying. Now, before you were born, think real hard. You're in a safe place, man. You were in a, a dark place, a warm place, a safe place. The sounds that you heard were the sounds of your mother's heart beating and, and the sounds of the blood going through her veins. 
You'd hear some muffled external sounds as you got older, but this was the place to be, man. You were nurtured. Everything you needed was right there. And one day, something happened. Some of your mother's muscles started to cramp, and, and things got a little weird right now, you know, and you're, you're not sure what's happening. And, and through the process of this, you came into a whole new existence. You came out, it wasn't dark anymore, right? They got lights on you. It wasn't quiet anymore. You couldn't hear your mother's heartbeat anymore. You could hear these sounds, these strange voices. You weren't nurtured by that. You didn't know how to nurture yourself. You didn't know how to eat. You didn't know anything. You were in one world, and then you were in another world. Entirely different in every conceivable way. There could be no contrast between any two modes of existence than the child in the womb and the child in the operating room or wherever you were born. Hopefully not in the car, but you know, but that too. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, Nicodemus, unless you see differently, unless you perceive the world differently, perceive God differently, perceive yourself differently, unless there's a whole new rearranging of your entire existence, you can't even perceive, you can't even see what I'm trying to teach you. There are so many times when Jesus said things like, um, love your enemy. <laughs> and he was talking to people whose enemies were the Roman soldiers. And last week, the Roman soldiers came into town and stole a bunch of food and beat up a couple of our elderly people and took a couple of our daughters as their slaves. And Jesus said, love your enemy. And people said, you are a fool, Jesus. That makes no sense. In fact, you may even be evil to say something like that. How could that possibly be the word of God? And that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Unless you begin to see this world, this God, who you are, unless there is a revolution in every way you even live and perceive, you can't see the kingdom. You can't understand what I'm saying. It, it, it won't make any sense. Do you remember when you first started following Jesus? Remember, the world started looking different, didn't it? And you remember you were trying to read the Bible. And the Bible, reading the Bible is hard. Anybody who says it's easy, they've just been doing it for so long, they forget how hard it is, right? And you'd read passages before you were a believer, and they didn't make any sense. Then you'd read something, you'd go, oh, I get that, I get that. Why did you get that? Because something had happened to your vision, right? Your spiritual vision. Something had happened to your spiritual vision, and, and you read that passage, and oh, it was, like, it was like food to you. It was like drink on a hot day. It was like breath. It was like, I, I see this, this thing that Jesus is talking about, this, this kingdom that is happening. Now, Nicodemus kept saying, a man can't be born again. And, and he doesn't know that Jesus is speaking metaphorically, not, or speaking spiritually, really, not physically. He says, how can a man return to his mother's womb? And Jesus said, come on, man. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked that I say you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus still isn't getting it. And finally, Jesus, kind of in exasperation, says, man, you, you're a teacher of Israel. 
You're a brilliant leader. And you don't get it. And here's why you don't get it. Because you're not yet open to allowing me to change everything in your existence, to change everything in your life from the difference between that womb and that world. You're not willing yet for me to say everything is on the table for me to have. I want to change everything in your life. Then you can see me. Then you can hear me. Then my words will make sense. Then this new kingdom that I'm talking about that has already come, you can enter right into that and understand it like you never have before, unless you are born anew, born again, born from above, you won't get it. You can't see it. It's just too radical. When I tell you to love your enemies, it won't make sense. When I tell you that the ones who mourn will be blessed, it doesn't make sense. When I tell you that the meek, the humble, inherit the earth. It doesn't make sense. When I tell you to turn the other cheek, it doesn't make any sense. When I tell you that the, the, those who oppress, the rich who oppress will be cast down and the poor will be brought up, it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. Donald Crable wrote a book years ago called The Upside Down Kingdom. I think it's the best description there is of the kingdom of heaven. It's upside down. What the world says is right is wrong. What the culture says is wrong is right. It's just right upside down. And what we have to do as Christians is say, we want to discover and to be open what that is because so many times we let the culture tell us what is right and wrong. We let the culture tell us our values. And I want to tell you, the values of the kingdom are other. They're not right, left, blue, red, Republican, Democrat, they're none of that stuff. The kingdom values are something other. And until we are open to that, we can't even get what Jesus is talking about. Now, you know this passage this amazing story of Nicodemus coming there, scratching his head and being troubled by this whole thing. Um, we need to enter into that, and we need to be a little troubled by it too. I, isn't that right? The Bible's supposed to trouble me. The parables are supposed to trouble me. Sometimes I, I just want all the answers. I want to read the Scripture and go, oh yeah, I know, oh yeah, I know, I know. And, and, and sometimes I need to read the Scriptures and go, yeah, I, oh, oh, oh man. I need to be like Nicodemus. I don't get this right now because when I do that, I'm allowing him to open my eyes. So as he's opening Nicodemus' eyes, he says that passage that you and I learned when we were little, if you were in church, and if you weren't in church, you saw it held up in the end zone at NFL games, all right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, how does that look to our culture? Oh, it looks like those Christians uh, believe that Jesus came and died on the cross so they could go to heaven. Well, yeah, we do believe that. But that's probably not what Jesus is saying in this particular passage. He's saying, I want you to look at the world differently. I want you to look at God differently. I want you to look at the kingdom. I want you to look at everything differently. And guess what God did? God came and died for you. In the verses preceding that, he said, if I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw him into myself. He's saying this upside down kingdom is about the God who came to die for us. The God who came to lay down his life for us. And what religion has tried to do ever since that time, over and over again, has tried to say, it was good that Jesus did that. 
We're really happy he did that. I prayed the prayer. That's good stuff. So now I don't have to do that, right? I mean, he did that for me. And so that's good stuff. It's, it's, it's all a done deal. I have been born again past tense because I, 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 I said that prayer. And I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm just talking about that's kind of a, a cultural understanding of this. But Jesus was saying, unless you see everything differently, you can't even see what I'm talking about. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And the starting point of the kingdom of heaven is that the king came here not to rule and to reign, but to die. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die. We believe that Jesus is God in flesh, God incarnate. And when we talk about the death of the Son of God, we are actually talking about the death of God on the cross. The lamb that was slain is the way the King James Version says it. Let's just say it the way we should say it. The slaughtered lamb. That Christianity, this new kingdom, this kingdom that is here and is coming, is a kingdom that says we lay down our lives, not according to the cultural standards, not according to the desires of this world, but we lay down our lives based on the call of him who laid down his life for us. For God so loved the world that he died. Most religions of the world like a God who kills. Well, let's be honest, right? God who conquers, God who savages the enemy, God who... I mean, even, even look in the Old Testament. Look at, look at King David sometimes. In the Psalms, you know, David was... Uh, he was a pretty interesting guy, wasn't he? He had high highs and low lows. And even David, in one of his Psalms, is so distraught and evil. He says, Lord, take my enemies. And he didn't say love them. He said, take my enemies and take their children and bash their heads against the stones. Huh? Because even David was saying, I want a warrior God. I want a God who kills, but God gave us a God who dies. And that's what we're called to. And until we get that in our system, and until we get that in our spirit, we can't even see what the kingdom is about. And so the kingdom of heaven gets co-opted with this value and this value and this value and this lack of value and all of this. And we don't really know who we are. Now, how do we see? How do we see this kingdom? Well, here's five steps. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> how do we see it? Well, Jesus didn't say to his early disciples, um, I want you to pray a prayer here. And th this prayer will mean that you are symbolically born again and you can go to heaven and then, you know, you're kind of on your own. He didn't say that. He didn't say, accept me as your personal Savior, although we like that language. That's what we want to do. What did he say? He went by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw fishermen there, Peter and James, John and Andrew, and he said, hey, follow me. Come on, follow me. That was all. Follow me. And as they followed him, they learned from him. They listened to him. He changed the way they thought and the way they saw. They struggled like crazy because even after he was gone, the Holy Spirit had to do a great work in their life. But, but he showed them how you lay your life down. He showed them what it would cost. He showed them that to even see what God is up to, to even see what God is up to, we have to lay our lives down as well. 
He broke the bread and took the cup that we're going to do in a few moments. He said, this is why I came. My body is broken. My blood is spilled. Before that, he washed their feet. He said, this is what I called you to do. And so he says, I want you to change. Now, here's what I think is very important in this passage. I've heard it said so many times that Jesus used the, the image of birth because it's something that happens instantly. You know, one second you're not born, and the next second you are. It's easy for guys to say. Um, it's a little more complicated than that if you're a woman, I'm sure. Um, and I it would never tell, I would never explain childbirth to a woman. I would never tell them, oh, buck up. I wouldn't do that, okay? Um, because, because, well, I don't even want to say it. it's so excruciating. I, I don't even know how to put that into words. I, I'm not qualified to do that. But, but, but see, I think we thought that Jesus used the metaphor of the birth because it was like, okay, now it's not done, and now it's done, and it's all done. But I don't think that's his point. I think his point was to say, from where you came to where you were going are two different universes. I think he's talking about the great contrast. There's a man named St. Ignatius of Antioch. He's one of our early church fathers. I mean, one of our early church fathers. Uh, scholars believe that he was um, ministering when the book of Revelation was being written. Um, all, the, all, the, uh, all the persecution of the church that was going on. And I read this quote from him several years ago, and it just captivated me. This is a man pretty close to the years of, of when Jesus said these words. Probably had people who at least knew people who knew people who actually knew Jesus. And he said this about Jesus' words. St. Ignatius said, I am in the throes of being born again. He says, not done in me. Not yet. I am in the throes of it. I am letting God change me. I'm saying, change me. Teach me. Remove from me that stuff that isn't kingdom work. Instill in me the kingdom. Help me to be the eyes of Christ, the ears of Christ, the hands of Christ to those people around me. Help me to see you in a whole new way. And we as believers in Jesus Christ who have had our eyes opened, I want you to see yourself and I want me to see myself as that child just out of the womb. You can't open your eyes yet. It hurts too much. It's too much of a contrast. And over time, that child begins to open his eyes, and the parents go, oh, look, the eyes are open. To which the child goes, who are you? Oh, he's looking at the light. Don't look at the light. Oh, yeah, look at the light. They're supposed to. No, they're not. I don't know. He doesn't know what to see. He's, he's just opening his eyes. He's in the throes of that birth process still. He's not a done deal. He is in the throes of being born. And I and you are in the throes of being born again. Now, this is the only time that's used as a metaphor. Paul will use the metaphor not from the child's perspective, but from the mother's perspective. And he will say that you and I and the whole creation is groaning in childbirth until the time of Christ is fulfilled. We are groaning, saying, Lord, teach me, show me, make me what you want me to be. Teach me to lay down my life. Teach me to love. Teach me to turn the other cheek. 
Teach me to weep with those who weep and to celebrate with those who celebrate. Teach me to mourn. Teach me to be a peacemaker. Teach me to take great effort to be meek and humble and mild so that you can be seen in me. And when we are teachable, we are open, God keeps opening our eyes. When I was very young, uh, back around the time of the Punic Wars, um, no, it wasn't that long. Um, when I was... Uh, probably a young adult, uh, there was a term that got real popular. They call it the aha moment. That term's never gotten old because it's self-explanatory, isn't it? <laughs> you know what an aha moment is. It's like, oh. You know, when I was born again. When you were born again, we had an aha moment. Not the aha moment, just an aha moment. There's so much I don't have a clue about. So much I don't know about God. Oh, I know the stuff written in theology books. But so much I don't know about how Jesus captures us and takes hold of us and changes us and revolutionizes our lives. So much I don't know. I, I'm a hospice chaplain. I work with death every day. And every day I keep learning things. And I keep seeing the kingdom in ways I never saw the kingdom before. I keep having those aha moments. That's what God wants for you and I. He wants our lives to be a series of aha moments in seeing God and seeing the kingdom. We don't want to be like Nicodemus who's standing right there in front of the kingdom and not seeing it because he's hanging on to all his old prejudices, all his old theology, all his old legalisms, all his old rules, all his old politics, all his old priorities. He's hanging on to all that stuff and he can't even see the kingdom in front of him. I don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. You want to be the one who says, Lord, change me, reorient my thinking, reorient my seeing, do it all. I can trust you to that. I can trust the Holy Spirit. No, you won't walk off a cliff if you're, lighting, if you're being guided by the Holy Spirit. Even if your ground seems to be shaking underneath you and you're changing your mind about a lot of things, you won't walk off a cliff because the Holy Spirit is faithful and the Holy Spirit will guide you. And even though the birthing is excruciating at times, rejoice that you and I are in the throes of being born again. Heavenly Father, would you change us? You have changed us. <laughs> Some of us can say, my life went from something to something else, and the two are unrecognizable from each other. And yet you still want to change us. Lord, we're all novices. We're all children freshly taken from our mother's bodies and we're trying to get our eyes adjusted even if we're considered elderly by this world's concepts. We are all novices. We are all beginners. We are all babies. Oh Lord, oh Lord, help us to see as you want us to see. Help us to prioritize as you want us to prioritize and help us, Father, to find the joy in the kingdom that is already here. Help us to find your presence as we mourn with those who mourn. Help us to find your presence as we love those who are the most difficult to love. Help us to, to see your presence when we realize the poverty of our spirit and, and how much we have to grow. Help us to see you when we feel like we're mistreated or abandoned. Help us to know in every case we are blessed because we now reside in the new kingdom because the king has come. And Lord, we look forward to that day when the kingdom will be fully completed. 
when you will come and restore us and restore all of creation to what you always had for us. For that, we'll thank you. We humble ourselves before you today, Father, in great gratitude as your disciples, as your students, as those who look to our rabbi to show us how to take every step. We pray it all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.